I was mad. And so in a lot of ways, I think I was like flipping the proverbial bird to the things that I felt like were good. And I was mad at God and, um, and I felt like it was unfair. How do you forgive when the wound is still open? How do you leave a legacy of redemption instead of dysfunction? How do you trust God when your deepest fears are realized? Join me, Sarah May, along with some wise mentors along the way as we explore these and other messy heart topics and the strategies we can use to seek healing in the pain and restoration in the ruins. Welcome to the Complicated Heart Podcast. Today on the show is my dear, dear friend, Logan Wolfram. Logan is the author of Curious Faith. She is the woman who took over the Illum Conference when God called me out of it. And she's talking to us today about what it looks like when your dreams fall apart, when things don't turn out how you thought they would. And she's going to talk to us about what God is teaching her in the process of it all. Logan, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What I want you to do is give us a quick summary of sort of who you are and what you've done, and then take us into your story of loss and perceived failure. So I think the best place to start um, is when Sarah and I were talking about this a little bit ago, we said, oh gosh, we better go ahead and record now um, because we've been doing life together for the last eight or nine years. Mm -hmm. And so we know so much of each other's stories. So a lot of times it's hard to peel yourself out of it. But um, what I said to her was that 10 years ago, I was doing a lot of what I'm doing right now, but it felt like enough. And, and what are you doing now? So now, well, now I'm a wife and a mom and a friend and um, and I'm, I'm just doing, I guess, what my normal life was before. Um, but several years ago when Sarah and I actually first met, she was running a conference called uh, Relevant, and we met because I decided to start a blog. And I thought, oh, this seems like a good place to go. I should learn how to do this blogging thing since I'm blogging. And I had a one-year-old at the time um, who's now almost nine, I guess. So anyway, that's how we met, and we got to be friends. I had led uh, a Bible study on her first uh, ebook, <laughs> which turned out to be Having a Martha Home the Merry Way, her book um, that she has now. And we really just began to be friends. Um, and so Sarah was running this conference um, through all of these crazy events. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting stranded in Pennsylvania. There was a snowstorm. I ended up helping her decorate her house. And we just, we've been kindred friends from the beginning. But ultimately, what ended up happening is she asked me to help her um, run the conference. And so, um, I have some gifts and being able to do event stuff, and um, I was an interior decorator for several years, and so I helped kind of bring those things into the conference. Um, over the course of time, Sarah decided to step away from the conference that the Lord had led her to that, and um, the person she felt like the Lord asked to take it over was me. Um, I had never even been to another conference um, other than relevant at the time, and so I... I'm not. <laughs> so I'd never, um, I'd never done any of those things. And so then all of a sudden, I'm supposed to be in charge of this blogging conference. And I didn't even really know what blogs were. To this day, I still am horrid at the mechanics of things. Um, I don't know how to market the stuff. Like, I just don't know how to do those things. And so 
But the Lord, um, I'd run events um, in college. I'd, I've always loved to entertain and host people. And so I took over the conference. Um, and so what went from like staying at home with kids and throwing a very hungry caterpillar birthday party was to running a national conference with um, best-selling authors and speakers and 500 women coming from all across the country. And all of a sudden, it felt like I'd stepped from this really small space of life into something that felt really big. Mm. Um, and it it was satisfying in so many ways. Um, I got to use my gifts in a lot of ways. And um, and ultimately, what ended up kind of happening for me out of that um, was as I was hosting all of these writers and speakers, and Sarah and I still would, um, even though she, after she... Uh, turned over the conference to me, we still have always prayed about these things together and processed. And um, and so I ended up really asking the Lord every year for direction on what we were going to talk about at the conference, whether it was hospitality or um, reaching kind of beyond ourselves and opening our hearts to the world and all of these different things. And so I was cultivating and curating this space and inviting all these speakers to speak into these things that the Lord was speaking in my heart. And women were coming from all over. And um, and then after a period of time, it it was hard. I mean, it was a lot. It's a lot of work. And um, and it required a lot of me. It required a lot of my family. And um, and then ultimately, kind of what ended up happening out of it is I got connected with a bunch of um, publishing houses and a bunch of editors and literary agents and all of this and ended up signing with one um, who, when he first said to me, I'd like to sign you, I said, what for? And he said, well, to write a book. And I said, about what? And he said, I don't know, but I want to be around when you figure it out. And so I spent about a year trying to figure out like, Lord, this seems weird that I would have an opportunity to do something like write a book when I have a degree in Spanish and was an interior decorator. And so... um, so I prayed about it for probably about a year and just felt like, Lord, if you're putting this opportunity in front of me, then what would you want me to say? Had you wanted to write a book? Was that ever a dream of yours? Or is this something that just you were running this conference and then it was you basically just had an invitation to do it? Yeah, I'd never dreamed of doing anything like that. Um, somebody told me one time that like 86% of people want to write a book about something, mm. which I thought was... I thought, oh, wow, weird. Um, I was like the 14% that didn't. Um, And it wasn't that I never thought that I had anything to say. Um, I'm a communicator. I like, I love people. Um, Writing, the interesting thing about writing is it's really solitary. Um, Mm. And I like doing it, but it's hard. My favorite thing um, about having written is being able to speak. Mm. And so, um, because that's when it all comes together with people for me. Anyway, I ended up... um, really having this opportunity that I'd never even considered, but it felt like something that the Lord was asking me to walk into. And so I did. Um, So I ended up signing a contract um, with a really reputable publishing house um, with just some really precious people. Um, I was really excited about it. And so that was in, what, like 2014, maybe? I think. 2015? It was 2014. I think I signed. 2015, I wrote the book. and 2016, the book came out. So it was kind of just this really interesting sort of trajectory of things that I had never anticipated or expected. And then over the course of time, too, as all of those things were happening, I felt like the Lord had asked me to put down the conference. It was just so much work. The blogosphere was changing. The way people function online was changing. I didn't feel like um, 
that we are going to continue having integrity with sponsors because of the way that those things were changing. And I just want to add too, because I know Logan and I've watched her journey, that running a conference is so stressful. And for her, she literally like got rashes, started to lose her hair. And there were other things going on, but this, including writing a book, which she hadn't done before, but running a conference is intense. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And and the year that, um, the last year that I was running Illum, the conference, um, I was writing a book, I was homeschooling. Mm. Um, I mean, I guess there's people that can do these things, but I'm not one. My hair literally fell out. Um, and but I, But really, I felt like the Lord asked me to set it down. And, um, and so... I did. I put I put the conference down, um, which was really to the dismay of a lot of people. Um, the community was bummed that I wasn't doing it anymore. Um, my publishing house was disappointed. They felt like it was an excellent platform for me um, for for the book that I ultimately published, Curious Faith, and um, and so, anyways, kind of all of this was going on at one time. Um, during the same time when I signed with uh, my publishing house, um, they underwent a lot of changes too. Um, just like any industry, um, people move around, people take jobs in different places, and you know that can have a ripple effect. And so for the company that I was with, um, they had been kind of dipping their toe into some new things. And when some of those people left that had been spearheading it, it, it left them you know, trying to figure out what's their one thing that they are excellent at. And um, and I think that that's a really common um, thing in business is you remember years ago when um, one of my favorite things in marketing was like when Hardee's, remember, was so terrible and they were making like the worst food ever. And all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, Hardee's starts doing all of these apology commercials. Like, we're sorry that we've been making bad food for so many years. <laughs> I never knew that. You don't remember this? No. Oh, it was like this marketing genius. And so Hardy's basically was like, we started out making burgers. We started then trying to make tacos. And then we started trying to make all these other things when really we needed to just stick with making burgers. And so Hardy's um, does all of these big commercials about give us a chance, try our new big burgers, and they're great. And so people gave Hardee's a chance again because they tried to do all of these different things and they couldn't. And so I think that a lot of times um, when you decide, like obviously there was somebody along the way with Hardee's that had been like producing the taco meat or shredding all of their lettuce for that or whatever. Well, when Hardee's realized that they needed to focus on making a good burger again, the people who were making the tacos like were ancillary. They were no longer necessary. Um, And so really a lot of what ended up happening to me after um, Curious Faith came out was the company that I was with recognized that they excelled so much in some other areas that they needed to focus more effort on. And what stunk for me was that I was making tacos. And so, you know, at first that felt really, um, it still feels hard um, because I was the fat that had to be trimmed. And um, and so a lot of people would say, and, and what that looks like realistically for people who are listening mm-hmm. is I actually had signed a two book deal. And so I was getting paid to write two books. And right before I was turning in my second book, which I spent all of, what, 2017 writing. Yes. Um, sp- and through this, you sort of realized that you loved it. 
Yes, I did. So you hadn't wanted to write a book, but once you did, you realized, oh, I want to do this. Yeah, like I really loved it. And um, and I realized I love speaking with women. I love teaching. Um, I actually like processing things through well enough in order to be able to communicate them. Um, and so I did. I fell in love with being able to do this. And and so I spent all of 2017 um, writing my second book that I was under contract for. And um, about a week and a half before I turned it in, um, they canceled my contract. Um, and so many authors, so many people have said to me, I didn't even know that they could do that. Well, like they can. Anybody can get fired. <laughs> like the reality is you can get fired. And um, for me, one of my biggest things has always been failure. Like, I don't want to fail. I w- I'm a firstborn. I want to do things well. I want to excel. Um, I want to always do things to the best of my ability. And so to me, like, I'd spent a huge part of my life. I'd spent a lot of money um, hiring people that could help me, helping having people help watch my kids while I would go spend time writing and working. And um, and so to have that canceled felt like a failure um, and then so many people would say, well, why didn't you just sell it to someone else? It just doesn't always work that way either. Um, you know, something that w- with most any industry, um, you know, companies have different directions that they want to go at any given time. And when you work with a particular um, company or angle and, um, you know, and what you're doing fits within the goals that they have at the time, that doesn't mean it necessarily is just transferable. Um, now, when I really get down into my soul and into my spirit about it, um, do I think that the Lord had other things He wanted me to learn from all this? Yeah, I do. Um, has it sucked? Yeah, it's totally sucked. And um, and so for the last, what's really interesting is, um, I mean, Sarah and I have been friends for a long time, but we're in a group with some other gals that encourage one another in this kind of piece of our professional life. And and I remember telling them I, uh, months before any of this even happened, that I felt like the Lord told me that I was going to be uncomfortable and small. And um, I'm a big personality. I like um, being with a lot of people. I'm an extrovert. I like to be comfortable. Um, And I felt like the Lord said, you're going to be uncomfortable and you're going to be small. And what has been so interesting to see is over the last almost year and a half, in November of 2017, we moved um, into a different house, um, which was also really uncomfortable because I lost a salary, basically, for a book that I thought I was going to be writing. Um, because, and that's part of the tricky thing, not only was her contract canceled, but that means that her income that she was expecting was also canceled. Yeah, it was gone. I mean, it was, you know, and I think it feels weird, and Sarah and I were talking about this before we even decided to record this podcast. Um, I said it feels weird to talk about it from this way um, because it's about writing books or whatever. But at the end of the day, what we're talking about is when your identity gets wrapped up into something and you lose it, how do you recover from that? Okay, so Logan, tell us a little bit. Once you laid down the conference, I want to go back to that for a minute. What was the fallout of that? Because I think this started, once we get to identity, this was what sort of started the path towards some identity issues even before your contract got canceled. So tell us a little bit about the fallout after laying down the conference. So um, first, what I wanted, I do want to say one thing about the identity thing before I get into some of this fallout. 
um, is that when it comes to my identity, I've actually always been very secure in my identity. Um, I have always been very secure in knowing who I am in Christ and knowing the way that God made me. So, um, so when I say that my identity felt like it was impacted or tangled up in some of this stuff, I need you to know that this is not coming from a place of not knowing who I was and trying to figure it out. This is um, a person who, <clears throat> for all intents and purposes, has walked pretty confidently in my identity in Christ for a period of time now. Um, now, I think with the conference, with writing a book, all these things, I think there's pieces of our giftings that as we get older, God reveals in new ways. Um, and so sometimes they are giftings that we're aware of, and sometimes I think there are giftings that we're presently surprised by. Um, and so for me, realizing that I loved to speak, um, how much I loved people, and even running the conference, those were running the conference was actually some pieces of that was giftings I already knew I had. I already knew that I was gifted in hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, I already, I mean, I can have a party with 200 people at my house and it doesn't stress me out, you know? Um, so some of those were giftings that I knew that I had, but I didn't know how much I loved teaching. I didn't know how much I loved like doing exposition of biblical truth for people. I didn't realize how much I loved that stuff, even though I've done Bible studies and always had an opinion about how these things go, you know, in a group. So, um, but with the conference and then with publishing after that, you you start to know a lot of people. I mean, the truth of the matter is, like, I've known a lot of people over the last several years. Um, when you have 30 different authors and speakers and influencers who are coming to speak, you're getting to know those people because you're inviting them. You figure, if I've done that, I did it with you for a year, and then I did it, like, another four years. And so, over five years of doing that just with the speakers alone. You've got, say you've even got some repeats, 20 new people a year. Over the course of several years, you're meeting 100 people that are just speaking. You're working with sponsors. Um, I was working with publishing houses. And so, you know, so I've known a lot of people, which I like knowing people. Um, One thing that I've always been really conscientious of is um, relationships to me are not currency. And so, um, and I think anyone who's ever known me would know that I do not ever look at a relationship and think, um, how can I broker this for my benefit? Relationships to me are truly relationships. Um, And so I'm also always really careful. I don't just um, say like, oh, you know, you should know this person. Um, I'm really thoughtful with, even when we were doing sponsorships with the conference of, I think that these things would partner well together. Um, I think that this would advance the kingdom if you know you. Um, and so these are the ways that I look at things, um, which also means that um, the reality is, I remember someone telling me one time that when you know a lot of people, um, that you become currency to other people. And so um, so there were ways that I don't think I realized that I became valuable to others for what I could do for them. Um and I never really realized that. I didn't really look at it that way. Um, call it naivete, call it just foolishness. I don't know. Um, but I think a lot of times I was just wanting to create this space and cultivate this space where we're truly advancing the kingdom, where we're encouraging women in the things that they were called to do. And so even though it was, I guess, a big platform to bring speakers into, um, I didn't necessarily think about how I was a benefit to other people. Now, 
to kind of get back to your original question, when I stopped running the conference, I no longer had that benefit to offer people. Um, I no longer had that platform to invite people into. Um, and whether it's intentional or unintentional, because anyone that is operating um, in whatever they're operating in, at some point when you lose a connection point with someone, there's going to be loss of relationship there. If you switch churches, even if you don't ever have an issue with friends there, the fact is that you don't see them as much anymore. So out of sight, out of mind. So, you know, in some relationships, I was out of sight, out of mind. I think some relationships, I could no longer do anything for anyone. And it was little things that I would see, like um, for several years when an author would have a new book come out, like they would send me their new book. And um, and now, like, I just, I don't have anything to offer for what other people are saying is valuable to where they're wanting to go. And the way you're talking about this is so, like, matter of fact, but I remember you calling and just crying because it hurts so bad. We all know that when you lose something because you no longer can be a benefit to somebody, you feel, like, how did that make you feel? I mean, like, total crap. And that's the, like, G-rated word that I'm going to use right now. Like, it made me feel awful. I cared about the sponsors that we worked with. Um, I cared about the authors. I still do. But I'm not relevant to what they need anymore. And so there's a piece of you that gets trapped in that when people need you for something, even if you're not like needing to be needed. And I'm not someone that like always needs to be needed, but I do value relationship. I value friendship. I value people really highly. And so, um, so when even those touch points went away, it just was, it felt hard. Um, and then realizing that like, I am not an asset to people. Um, when my goal was never to be an asset to them anyway, I think that's really hard. Um, you know, I think there's people who are wired to broker um, things in life like as assets. Maybe it's relationships or whatever. Um, and I remember somebody told me years ago, like, Logan, you're a connector. Well, like, connectors are not just trying to broker assets. Like, we connect with people. Like, there's an investment of me that was made into those people and into those spaces and into those things. And when I... um wasn't doing that anymore, then I wasn't valuable to them anymore. So here, you know, you lay the conference down. Now you're going through this emotional journey of figuring out, you know, who who are my real friends? What what's how, what am I doing now? Okay, well, at least I'm writing this book. <laughs> right. So then, uh, you know, you write your first book, Curious Faith. It comes out. You begin writing your second book, and then basically on the heels of laying down the conference, this is when you lose the contract. So now you're getting these double emotional whammies. Take us through what that was like. Um, I think at first I was really shocked and I kept thinking, like, is this even real? Is this really happening? Um, and then I was just pissed. Like I was just really mad, really mad. Um, I was really angry. I felt like I'm kind of justice oriented anyway. And I felt like this isn't fair. This isn't right. Um, I could see exactly why it happened and you know, you no longer you have this platform. You no longer have this platform, right? I no longer have this platform of the conference anymore. Everyone thought that I should still have that. I specifically felt like the Lord told me to lay it down, which I don't regret to this day. This is the other thing. This is the whole complicated heart thing. Is that it's not like I question should I have done that? Like I have zero reservation about having 
laid down the conference. I know I was supposed to. And so I have assurance in that. But there's still this like achy, breaky heart kind of part that you have to deal with. And so so I did feel confidence of that. Um, but then I was, you know, writing the book. And so that was kind of this whole other thing that I'd never planned to do. I never set out to do. Um, but I was doing it and I was loving it. I still do. I still love it. Um, and then even in that time when I was writing the second book, well, it's so funny. And, and Sarah and I have talked about this before. Um, and for any of you who have ever read a lot of books by the same authors, a lot of times there's passion projects that the authors will write where it's, it's this thing that like you have to get out. It's your complicated heart book that's like everything. And um, for me, Curious Faith was, I mean, it was this culmination of a lot of years of work that God had been doing in me and through me. And um, But then the next one, like I'd kind of signed a contract for Curious Faith and book B. Um, nobody knew what book B was when I signed <laughs> to write Curious Faith. And so then on some level, you're kind of like, what can I write about? Um, but you pour so much of yourself into book A. I poured so much of who I was and so much of my journey and so many things that the Lord had done into Curious Faith that it was kind of like I didn't have a chance to regroup. And this is kind of, I may edit this out later, but this is kind of like the dirty little secret of publishing, right? Is that you have something that God has given you to share and to write, but you sign for more than what you have in the well. (laughs) And then you're kind of like scrambling to write when you don't actually have something in the well to write. And so that's kind of a whole interesting, confusing thing. Yeah. Too. Did I have stuff in the water right? Sure. Um, hopefully, any of us that are like growing and stretching and whatever, the Lord's going to give us new content, new things to write. And there's things that I wrote in that book that's just sitting on my computer right now that I am asking the Lord to give me another chance to put in another book that's coming out of the depths of my soul. Um, there's good content in there. Did I think the whole book was going to be like totally awesome? If I'm completely honest, no. Like, was I in love with all of it? No. Was there stuff in it that I totally love? Absolutely. Um, But do I think that, when I'm really honest, should that book have come out? I mean, no. Like, so that's the part that kind of sucks too, is that not saying I wouldn't have been proud of it because I'd still done the work and it was still good. Um, But did did I love it the way that I love Curious Faith? No. Um, Did it feel like it was out of the depths of my soul and all these things that the Lord had taught me? No. Um, was it all still really accurate and relevant? Yeah. Um, so I think that that's part of it too, that, you know, that's part of the complicated nature of it is that if we're really willing to be honest about some of this stuff, um, you know, maybe that thing was supposed to never be, but you still deal with the fact that it will never be, that I did the work, that I, um, you know, also as a writer, if you just don't write anything for a long time, then you're not like fresh. You're not new. You're not saying lots of things. Um, I'm not somebody that I always think it's so amazing when there's, you know, friends that we have and people online that have like a really amazing devotional that they can write every other day on an Instagram. And I'm like, I'm just not that person. Um, I just am having like one day to push a porta potty out of my driveway. And like, that's the, the highlight of my day you know, right now. So I, I think that's the thing is for me, and the way that I think God has wired me is I have to like marinate with stuff for a while. I have to struggle through it. I've got to deal with it. And so that's kind of where I am now, which is why I can talk a little bit more matter matter of factly about it yeah. is because I think 
I'm on the other side. How did these losses, first of all, you said that it felt like a failure. So how did this perceived failure, how did that impact your identity? Well, I mean, the reality is like, I didn't get anyone to pick up this other book. It felt like a failure that I'm not um, a presently publishing author that other authors would like for me to help them share about their books. Um, It felt felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I was irrelevant to the industry um, that I'd poured so much of myself into. First, pouring myself into it through the conference where I was um, bringing these people's messages kind of in this public sphere. Um, A lot of people, even after I wrote Curious Faith, said to me, oh, I didn't even realize you had anything to say. And I remember feeling so angry and feeling like I've been curating this conference for years now. Like, of course I had something to say. It's just I was curating it and it was being said through other people. So like no one ever even considered that I had anything to say. Um, And so suddenly I think I just felt really irrelevant. How over the last couple of years, because I know at first you kind of didn't know what to do with yourself. No. Like, what do I do now? I mean, I literally went from like writing and working every day to all of a sudden just like driving carpool and remembering that, oh, I should cook dinner. Whereas 10 years ago, that was enough. But now, and by now, I mean like two years ago, it all of a sudden didn't feel like enough. Like you kind of felt like you were flailing for a while. Totally flailing. And I remember, I I mean, at first I just was so mad. I felt so um, wronged and I felt like I just had the carpet pulled out from underneath me and I didn't have a leg to stand on and I didn't know who I was. And like, well, if I'm not writing now, like, what am I doing? I'm just like being a mom, which for me had always been everything I ever wanted to be ever since I was a little girl. I wanted to be a stay at home mom. And that's what I am right now. Um, And that's enough. That's the weird thing. Like, that's totally enough. But it was like I tasted this other thing and I still want it, <laughs> you know, like the dreams don't die <clears throat> just because the dream died. Like, so how did you get through the anger? Like what, take us through, you know, two years ago when you're, you're kind of flailing, you're dealing with these emotional losses. I remember when you were angry, you felt just so hurt. Take us through these last, this last year and a half, two years. What has the Lord done and what have you learned? So, um, interestingly enough, the summer of 2017, that um, the Lord told me I was going to be small and uncomfortable. Um, It was September 2017 that I lost my book deal. It was the end of November 2017 that we moved into a really, really old house that had not been updated. Nothing had been done to it since it was built in the 50s. And then, um, well, it seems like odd in the context of this um, podcast, but we actually took an outbuilding in the back of our house and converted it into a tiny house and are living in that while we renovate this original house. Um, And so it was like the Lord physically put me into a really small situation um, at the same time that I went from feeling like kind of on top of the world, like big, and, and that it sound it feels like gross to even say that because I don't want it to sound like I thought it was some kind of big deal. But like let's be honest, when you're doing something that you feel really proud of, on some level you're like excited and you feel good about that. Um and so I did. Like I guess I felt a little on top of the world in some of that. And um and probably if I'm honest, there was pieces of my heart that was like gross and arrogant about that, like feeling like I was doing something really important. 
Um, and then all of a sudden that's gone away. And so we move into this old house and are living in that for a little while. Then we moved into a tiny house um, <coughs> back at the beginning of this summer. And um, and I remember it when they started. And, and really just this whole past year, I've just had to kind of stay before the Lord and let me say, when I say stay before the Lord, I mean like not give up on Him completely. Um, but th- it's not like I was sitting down having these like amazing quiet times with God because I was just searching and searching. Like I was mad. And so in a lot of ways, I think I was like flipping the proverbial bird to the things that I felt like were good. And I was mad at God and um, and I felt like it was unfair. And so, but then I also felt like the Lord said for me to like, return to the things that I loved before. And so um, part of my whole thing has always been like, what are you curious about? Because that's how you find where the Lord wants to lead you. And so um, I've always loved to cook. So I started being intentional about cooking again. Um, I signed up for an art class um, over a year ago because I've always loved to do art. Like I needed to actually fill my time. Remember when you're like young or or, or for people who've experienced like a divorce or something, when you go through like a breakup and that person was like in your life all the time and then all of a sudden they're not, you have to figure out what to do with that time again. And so mm-hmm. essentially um, my work had become like my mistress, for lack of a better term, my mister, like mm-hmm. where that was the thing that was taking up so much of my time. And so I had to figure out like how do I reallocate my time in a way that looks healthy um, because I no longer had this purpose of what I was doing anymore. Um, I lost my job. So if you lose your physical job, say you're going to a factory every day, um, you know, and putting a door onto a BMW, like if that's your job every day and all of a sudden you don't do it, well, like then what do you do with those eight hours a day that you would be doing that? So it was a lot of that and having to figure out like, what do I do? Yeah. My husband and I prayed about it. Like, do I get another job? Like, um, do I... Do I go work somewhere else? I've had offers to do these other things. And and so we just felt like that the Lord said for me to start investing in relationships again, like relationships that I had allowed to grow distant because I was so distracted to invest in things that I loved. Did, did doing those things help to heal you? Was it time that sort of lessened your anger and your hurt? Would you say it was time? What was it? How did you go? Because I know there are people listening, right, who something has happened and they're just angry. How did you get through the anger and the hurt? When I would feel it like rising up and bubbling up, I would sit before the Lord. I would open up the scriptures. Um, I started at one point really feeling like I don't even know where to start. And so I started just researching the fruits of the Spirit because I felt like um, I remember telling somebody one time, like a couple of years ago, and one of the things was when I decided to lay down the conference. I remember saying, when the fruit of the Spirit sweat starts dropping, Maybe there's a few obligations that need to drop first or things that we've committed to. And so I realized like that the fruits of the Spirit in my life had declined. And so I started just even researching the fruits of the Spirit and looking up what God said about those things because I want those. And um, and as a follower of Christ, like I'm entitled to those things. Like the Lord gives us the fruits of the Spirit. Um, you know, we have gifts that he gives us, but the fruits we have to cultivate, you know? And so I wanted those things to be alive in my life again. So I started studying on that. Um, Some of it was that I, time, time has been really good. I mean, it's been a year and a half since I lost my deal now. Um, It's been 
what year it was 2016 was the last year that we did the conference. So it's been a couple years. Um, or 2015. It was 2015. 2015. So... Um, you know, there's there's just a lot of time that's happened, and and that nobody wants to hear that. Sorry, um, but time does help. Um, but I think time doesn't help if you allow yourself to stew in the nasties. Um, and so I really tried to point my heart in the right direction. Um, I started like reinvesting in things that I had done before, um, and, and starting small. It's not like I flung myself back into everything I'd done before, but you know, helping decorate for the women's conference at my church or helping MC an event for them. Like the things that I had found that I loved doing, I started doing some of those again. And um, and then just really asking the Lord to change my heart. And, and in a lot of ways too, something else I really had to do that I felt like that I've had to untangle myself from um, the, the whole pieces of my identity that had gotten wrapped up in it. Um, I mean, I had to start like unfollowing people that I love like actually in real life or um, or even people who have been friends through the conference or through writing and speaking, I had to stop seeing what they were doing all the time um, because it it hurt. Um, you know, I for about a year, um, I, I would not endorse anybody else's book, even when people did ask, because it, it just felt like I needed to extract myself from this thing that I'd just gotten kind of mixed up in. I was telling a, a friend, my friend Michelle the other day, who just had a book come out, and I said, I'm sorry that I didn't endorse your book. I actually do endorse it. I just, at that time, like, I almost had to remove myself from that um, sphere for a little bit in order to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's okay. Yeah, I think I think it is okay. I feel like I have... A healthier perspective now, and um, I remember back in August, this August, when they started, we'd moved into the tiny house in the summer, and they started work on our um, our actual house, and um, the house is so old, and so we had to take the roof off, mm. um, and we're adding we're adding some to the house, and but anyways, they literally like knocked the entire roof off of the house, and um, and I remember one day, I mean, in huge chunks, um, and then the the contractor told us, he said, you guys, this roof had five layers of shingles on it, of asphalt shingles. It's actually illegal to have more than two. And this roof had five layers of shingles on it. He said, it is so heavy. I don't even know how it wasn't like crushing in on the house. And they removed that. Well, the dumpster for the um, like for all of the debris and everything was like three weeks behind. So they removed the entire roof. And I remember at one point standing in the front yard and there's like huge pieces of roof that are crashed down the front yard. And the whole like little part that covered the porch was like this little kind of triangular section. It was just sitting on the ground like they had just chopped it off and it just crushed down onto the ground. And I was standing there one day and I was looking at it and it was as if you could imagine taking just a saw and cutting off the roof of your house. And it's like an open shoebox, and all the roof is in the front yard. And I could see in over the front of the house from the angle of the yard. I could see into the kitchen, and I could see the kitchen cabinets. Like it was the weirdest thing. Or like if I squatted down and kind of looked through the front window, I could see the kitchen cabinets, and then I could see the trees in the backyard behind that. And I remember standing there after I've been struggling with all this stuff for this year and standing in the front yard and looking at the roof. Um, And then they'd started like banging the walls out of this house and all this. And I hadn't felt like I'd heard the Lord in my spirit 
um, speaking to me for over a year. And, um, and I felt like the Lord said, huh, funny how sometimes you have to gut the whole thing to make it the way it should be to stand the test of time. And I knew he wasn't talking about my house. And so I felt like that God just said, I am doing a renovation here. And I kept praying about that like the next week or so and um, and just praying like, Lord, why couldn't I hear you? And I felt like he said, because when you're renovating, it's hard to hear a small voice. Hmm. And so I think like that's the complicated part, right? Like that if the Lord is renovating something, I mean, he was gutting these pieces of my life. The foundation is the same. We have not even expanded the footprint of this house foundation's the same. The walls are the same, but he has gutted the inside. And I was talking to my mentor about it later that week. And she said, Logan, all I can think about though, is that the sky's the limit when there isn't a ceiling. And that, and I've been standing in this physical representation of like, I could stand in this house and I could look out and see the sky above. And, um, and so I feel like that's where the Lord has had me, um, is that it's hard to hear a still small voice over the sound of a jackhammer, right? Like, and I think the thing that I kept telling myself over and over during this whole time, and this is where I know that this is what my identity is, is that God is good and He is for me. And so even though none of this is made making sense to me, and I still don't know what's going to become of it. Like, I don't even know if it's a bad idea to be talking about this right now. <laughs> like, um, I don't know what becomes of all of it. But what I do know and what I've always known and where I always land, my rock bottom, is that God is good and He is for me. And that even when I didn't hear Him well for a year, He's still good and He is for me. Like even when He told me that I was going to be small and uncomfortable, He's still good and He's for me. And just like you and I were talking about with some parenting stuff earlier today, like we're just sharing our hearts about, you know, what do we want to do? And the Lord reminded us about, it's. I think it's Romans like 5, 3 maybe, um, and it talks about that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint. And the, the reality is like, I know that God is good and He is for me, but that does not mean that I have not felt real uncomfortable or real kind of tangled up in pieces of myself that I discovered that I loved, um, that I hadn't known about before. And then where do I go from here? Like, what is, I, I don't even know, you know? Um, and so sometimes I wonder, like, do I still get to have that dream anymore? Can I have the same dream again? Like, because I still dream about writing another book. I still, I think about it. Like, there's things in my life and part of me wonders, like, this is probably a whole book right here of all this <laughs> stuff, you know? But um, but I think that's the thing is that you wonder, Can I still have the same dream again? And maybe I can. But at the same time, do I want to let go of all of the goodness that God has for me right now to pursue that dream again? Like, I think that's unwise too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, so often we have dreams and and sometimes we see those dreams come to fruition, but sometimes I think to change the circumstances to change the dreams. What advice or encouragement can you offer the listeners when it comes to loss? So obviously, um, you know, loss of a job or a career um, is totally different than like 
loss of a spouse or loss of a baby, um, which for the record, um, I've not lost a spouse, but um, I have lost four pregnancies, two of which were second trimester. So, so I want for you listening to know like that while my present circumstance with my loss of my job um, has wrecked me in a lot of ways, um, I'm not a stranger to coming out on the other side of something that feels like a an earth-shaking, identity-breaking kind of loss. Um, and so what I would say is keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, that at the end of the day, what I would want to tell you is that God is good and He is for you. Um, that part of moving forward is trusting that He is for you and that He is good and that He is going to do something with all of this. Like, and it may still suck for a while, like, but suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint. And so perseverance is about keep on keeping on. It's when you don't know what it is that you want, then go for the things you know you're promised and the things you know you're promised in Christ is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like start with things that you know um, that you have access to. And then if there's things that you're curious about, that's been kind of my word for the last several years is, um, and that's what Curious Faith is all about. Good luck getting that one right now, by the way. (laughs) That's gotten complicated We're professionally have to do a as well. Because I don't know if you can buy it. You, you can't really even buy that right now. That was part of the whole uh, publishing loss thing. Is Curious Faith is like not even in bookstores anymore. Um, and so that's like a whole other thing, even the work that I'd already done. But what I would say is that um, figure out the things that you are curious about. Like figure out the things. When you think to yourself, I've always wondered about doing that, or I've always thought it would be neat if I could try this. Like, just do, you know? I think so often we explain things away like, oh, I'm not creative. I could never take a pottery class. But, you know, if you're curious about it, do it. Give it a shot. Um, Give yourself the freedom and the flexibility to pursue things that might bring life to you. Even Um, in the loss. Even in the loss. And um, and then give yourself space to experience some of the slow rhythms of things that are life-giving. Um, for me, I've really enjoyed cooking again. I have the time and the space to do it. Um, I made Julia Child's beef bourguignon, and Sarah has eaten it every day. I've had like 10 servings, and I'm so sick from it, but it is the best thing ever, and I just want to keep eating it, but I ate the rest of it. But the reason that I say that is because when I was doing all of this before, I literally did not have physical time available. Yeah to make Julia Child's beef bourguignon. Like, so there's things that I've been bringing back into my life that I have the margin to do again. And so I think um, that look at the new margins that you have on the other side of the loss um, and figure out what, I'm not talking about just putting stupid space fillers, but things that are life-giving to you. Um, I had lost a ton of just available I didn't have availability for several years to even like have coffee with a friend anymore and so I'm really intentional about usually at least once a week I'll set up like a coffee date with a friend um and so you know there's things like that that I feel like 
you just have to keep moving forward and keep asking the Lord to show you new things. Um, just because he's gutted the house doesn't mean that he's not going to put it back together. And just to piggyback off of that, because I know you and I've watched your journey, is that some of the life-giving things after any loss is just resting for a while and not having to fill anything else back on that plate. So like, I know for you, like your hair grew back and you don't have a rash anymore and you took care of yourself and got healthy again, um, just even through taking that time and space to just rest. Yeah, I think don't fill it just because you like don't don't just try to like force the issue of filling the space. And we were even talking about it this weekend. I said, just because somebody asks me to do something now doesn't mean that I'm going to. Um, I, I want to be very cognizant too of not just snapping back into something because I think like, oh, this could launch me back into this thing. I don't want to be clawing and scratching ever after something that the Lord does not have for me. Um, and and the thing is, I feel like in the, in the industry um, that I've seen, you know, people do. You claw and you scratch for the dreams that you have and that you want. And I just believe that God is good and He is better than that. And um, and that we're never going to miss out on something that the Lord has for us. Mm. We're just not. If we're pursuing Him and what He has for us, and it may not look the way that I think, I may never get to write another book again. Um, and that will grieve my heart. But I don't want to claw and scratch and make something happen that is outside of what God has for me. I want Him to bless the works of my hands and the things that I do. And so in that, I have to trust that sometimes it's just really complicated. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm so excited that you are here and I love your guts. Thank you so much for coming on. And also, what are you going to make for dinner for us tonight? Tacos. (laughs) But they're going to probably be the best tacos I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Thanks, Logan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Complicated Heart Podcast. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Reviews are how people know if they should listen or not. So please, if you like the show, take a minute and give it a review. Thank you so much. If you want to know more, check out sarahmay.com forward slash the complicated heart podcast. See you next time.